Flying Coach is back for a second season. Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world. They're discussing the latest NFL news, telling stories from their careers, and breaking down games from their unique perspectives. Check out Flying Coach Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, voting absentee and early for the all-star voting. Jordan, stop the count. Wait, wait, you're doing both? Is that allowed? I mean, I would. Like, if that, that's what's going to take to get Mike Zanino into the all-star game, I will vote all the time, everywhere Jordan, possible. Yes, Jordan, no, I know. All-star voting, <laughs> all-star voting is like the presidential election. You can vote as many times as you want online. Yes. Wow. Sounds so much easier. Uh, what, a, what a process. Um, Isn't uh, most yeah. absentee voting done early? All right. Thanks, Bobby. We, uh, we should set the stage here, everybody. If you're feeling a little bit more crispness, um, a little bit better patter than usual, that's because we're in the same place. Who, who's we? Well, me who's and Bobby we? are. Yeah, come me on, Bobby. man. Not this true. is a three-person three operation, and I still feel very, very, very far away. Obviously, Jake and I are normally in different places, but Bobby, I understand you can actually see Jake Mint's IRL right now. Is that true? I got eyes on him. I got eyes on the eagle. Is that what we would call you? What would be a good nickname for you? No. The 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 the, the, the leopard. Okay, great. We'll call you uh, the leopard. Now, we are in the Ringer Studios in Los Angeles uh, and it's great to see your smiling face. You brought you brought more of a um, powerful energy. Jake actually stands up and he spins around. He swings the microphone around his neck while he records the podcast like an emo music artist from 2003. I'm like Freddie Mercury. I record all of my pods. You're not like the, Freddie Mercury. With the same level of verve as Freddie Mercury. No, we are. I am in L.A. I am here uh, visiting. It is nice to actually be doing a podcast in a podcast studio. What and not like within view of my bed. Uh, that is certainly unfortunately uh, the hologram budget that I applied for for Jordan did not come through. Yeah. So he's just on the computer yeah. still. I but thought, Jordan, uh, I, 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 I thought you were going to say not in in uh, in a car in the <laughs> Citizens Bank Park parking lot. <laughs> which is the last time we recorded a pod uh, IRL, but um, but alas, we are we are still uh, separated by a mere you know few thousand miles. But we we soldier on it. We have plenty to talk about, Jake Mintz. We are obviously going to update uh, our dear listeners on the latest on our major league wide sticky situation. We are going to talk about those All Star Game voting updates and which All Star uh, votes we find particularly questionable or very appropriate. Uh, we're going to do the good, the bad, the ugly, and of course. The return of one of our favorite segments. Sorry for your mentions. But where would you like to begin, Jake Mintz? Jordan, let's talk about sticky balls, Jordan. Let's just do it. Right. I mean, I think we're the first person to make that joke about mm -hmm. the sticky balls, probably. Yep. Uh, we dedicated all of last week's episode to talking about uh, the issue of foreign substances in baseball. We were reluctant to do it. We've been kicking the sticky can down the proverbial road for months now. We finally did it. And we're going to do it again. We're going to start with it again because there has certainly been some developments. Uh, Jordan, I wrote in a text to you earlier when we were talking about the pod that it was so loud that you could hear a spin drop. Yes. Well said. Well said. Because we were wondering and we pondered this last week. We said, okay, what is the next step here? What is actually going to happen? Are the umpires actually going to go out and check every single pitcher immediately? Or are they going to give a little bit of time for everyone to get their house in order, to clean their shit up, 
before they start enforcing. And it seems as though the latter is what has taken place. Uh, thanks to the smart people who are actually able to track this in a much more quantitative, real way than just pulling up one specific pitcher's um, numbers after one specific start, uh, we now know that th- uh, Travis Sochek, who's been all over this beat, obviously there have been a lot of people covering this recently, um, but he tweeted over the weekend that through play on Saturday, 67% of major league pitchers have had a spin reduction adjusted for velocity since June 3rd when the first memo ca- uh, came out. And that's basically looking at just four seam fastballs for pitchers that had been thrown uh, you know, over the last year before June 3rd and then after. And almost 67% had a notable decrease in spin rate. Now, this also be now once we started seeing these numbers, now we're also just looking really, 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 really closely at specific pitchers like Trevor Bauer, like Garrett Cole, like James Karinchak, like Shane Bieber. And what do you know? These guys, like you said, it is so loud. You can see quite immediately the spin drop. Spin rate got low, 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 Jordan. It, it is. I can't allow that. I just, that's just no, that's bad. Okay. It is, it is just so overt and recognizable and notable. And when we've had cheating scandals in the past, when there's a swap, when there's a switch, like it takes time, right? Like it doesn't happen immediately. We have data like right away that, you know, it's clear that this stuff does something to the ball and that pitchers were benefiting from it. And that MLB's threat of cracking down is certainly working as a form of deterrence. Uh, And Jordan and I, or at least, you know, I'll speak for myself. Like, I am fine with this process. I think generally it's better to have MLB like, we're going to punish you and pitchers adjust and offense goes up and spin rates go down than MLB having to like actually go in there and start seriously like punishing people because what we're going to end up with there is like, you know, 80% of pitchers are going to get suspended. (laughs) Right. And that said... You know, that is something is going to still happen, right? We we're still in the early stages of it. It sounds like the enforcement is really gonna begin in earnest this week, whatever that means. We don't know what that looks like yet, right? We still have not seen anyone actually, even since we talked last week, we've not seen any suspensions. We've not seen, as far as I can tell, I we have not seen anyone go out and check someone more more consistently than than before, right? So if it does begin this week, I'm sure there will still be instances where guys are getting caught and getting punished. But to see just how quickly <laughs> some of these arms were just like, all right, okay, I get it. I don't want to get suspended. I'll relax. I'll ch-. I mean, in the Bauer start, it was amazing watching Bauer start uh, against Texas uh, where he gave up a season high 10 hits. And you could tell like, we, we, you know, we're looking at the actual spin rates, right? And we have the exact numbers, but even just watching it, his fastball was not, it didn't have, it was not making pit hitters do the same thing as it was normally. Like it, it was so stark how immediately it was different. And he was, he still looked good. Trevor Bauer still has really good shit. It's not like he's suddenly going to be a triple A pitcher, but it was, it is amazing. And when you see the other numbers, right, there's, there's very clear data that said that coming in like fastballs with a spin rate between 2200, 2300 batters were hitting 260. Above 2,600, batters are hitting 209. Like, these are real numbers that we know this improves your performance. And so if MLB wants to get offense back into the game, and that's also a thing that we've shown, again, small sample, that it started to come back even in the last week a little bit, just batting average strikeouts a little bit down. I mean, it's this is a good place to start, but I am curious what happens next. And if you can make hitters miss on 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 a regular version of your fastball, that unlocks the rest of your pitches for you, right? Because the hitter in their mind, they have to think, I cannot sit on something and adjust to a fastball, right? And that just changes the entire approach. And so if you take that weapon away and you take a elite fastball and you turn it into, you know, a good fastball, it changes the whole game. And we're already starting to see that. I will say, Jordan, we should, I I think we have to talk about at least briefly, the article that was in Sports Illustrated this morning. Uh, the Steph Abstein article uh, about the Angels clubhouse attendant who was fired uh, last year after it was uncovered, uncovered, <laughs> that he was supplying uh, goops to various pitchers, both on the Angels and around the league. This article looks at, you know, how basically how unfair it is that this guy got the heave And from where we sit now, he is the only casualty of sticky ball gate, of goop gate. Mm-hmm. And... It sucks for this guy, man. It, yeah. It's really not 
unfair for him. Yeah, and like, Jake, do you want to be do you want to be Adam Wainwright or do you want to be Garrett Cole? Because one of us has to read the text <laughs> messages. Oh, you want to read it? You want to do a dramatic reading of the text messages? Yeah, yeah. Here, let me let me pull up the article while Jordan talks about what there, he thinks. Well, I'd okay, like so to be Adam Wainwright. You guys, you guys set this up because I I do want this dramatic reading, and and I will say what what when when you mentioned uncovered, right? I guess it was it was he was the one that eventually got like named and blamed, but like. The amazing thing about this article, and obviously now he has nothing to lose. He's already been fired and he's trying to come out and just be like, listen, this is bullshit. Like, why am I the only fall guy here? He's basically getting punished because he had the best shit in the league and everyone kept coming to him and they're like, damn, Bubba's got the good stuff. We got to make sure we scoop some before, you know, if we're going to Anaheim or whatever. Uh, And so he's getting punished for that. But when you say cover now, he's like, listen. I, I can show I can supply everything you possibly need, but also I'm not the only one doing this. This is ridiculous that I am being the one punished. And I honestly I t- totally do not blame him because it, it it does kind of emphasize the 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 farcical nature of this whole situation uh, in terms of how we're gonna punish it. Yeah. What do you think, Bobby? He didn't get he didn't get so un- he didn't get uncovered so much as he got literally deposed. <laughs> like yeah. he is the one who's being cross-examined, yes. and it's not his fault. Yeah. That other people were doing this, and he just happened to be the one who was doing it for the guys who were pulling he this was off. The best, the he best. Was, he was the Walter White <laughs> of making goop. Yeah, he had the best stuff in the Southwest. Yeah, and and the only way to they stop don't make him, him like Bubba anymore is to take him down. Uh, he- the Heisenberg of foreign <laughs> substances. All right, uh, I'm gonna read the, the. I'll start with Adam Wainwright. I'll be Adam Wainwright. Ready, Bubba? This is Adam Wainwright. Can I give you a call? Is Adam Wainwright suddenly Coach Bob Tubbs? No, no, no. You don't have to go so gravelly. Coach Tubbs, is that you? <laughs> Thanks. Very thick stuff. Very thick stuff. Very thick stuff. Hey, Bubba. Couple guys asking about some secret stuff. Anyway, you could send a couple batches with the Angels when they come. That was good. Okay, I'll be Garrett. Oh, this is amazing. This this detail. Adam Wainwright sent the guy three hundred dollars, saying that the money was for kale salad and beans. $300 for kale, salad, and beans. Here's the craziest No, part. you've only been in LA for like four days. You Dude, don't know. That's what it's going great. Kale, salad, and beans is not a meal. That's not a food that you eat. I remember one time, Jordan, uh, when we used to work at MLB, brought for lunch. I'll never forget. I have a picture on my phone. It was pasta with baked beans on it. And, and I was like, what are you eating? This is the closest I've seen to that horrid Jordan Schusterman meal, kale, salad, wait, and beans. Wait, here's what I want to say, though. Perhaps the kale, salad, and beans, maybe that's what he was also using. Listen, Bubba knows, all, maybe he, he wasn't lying. Maybe that wasn't a cover-up. Maybe the kale salad, if you mix the kale salad with the beans and the rosin and the pine That's intellectual tar, property right there, and you're insulting Bubba. I like in the his idea. Own, in his own... Domain, you're in Southern California now. You better be careful. I love the idea of yeah, a of like a vegan pitcher who's like, "Can you make me a plant based version?" <laughs> I hear that in impossible uh, goop. Spider tag has some protein in there, and I'm not okay. With- I should say my spider tag has not arrived yet, and I will report back uh, when it happens. Hey, but Jordan, hey Jordan, I-, I was just wondering if if you could help me out with a sticky situation. Wink, wink. I, I'm. Okay. This message coming from Garrett Cole's number as it's in Bubba's phone. <laughs> Garrett Cole's number. Let's talk about let's talk about that quickly. Jordan, you saw the part, uh, the Garrett Cole text where he asks Bubba for help with the sticky situation. I like that Garrett Cole, when he was skirting the rules, getting his good goop, he was making jokes. Allegedly. Allegedly. He was making jokes. And that made me like Garrett Cole more, that he used a pun to get his goop. Okay, so I'm I'm glad you bring that up because the Garrett Cole non-answer last week happened like right after we recorded. So <laughs> that is we, we we never got to address that on the pod, and I think that is a good just transition. <laughs> Go back to revisit that because to your point, yes, when he is texting another team's clubby about this in private, he's making jokes about it. That's true. But when asked the most obvious question you could be asked in this situation, he basically forgot how to speak. It does make you think like, hmm, all right, this is a little questionable. No, 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 no. I, I, watching the video of Garrett Cole fumble his way through that answer made me appreciate Garrett Cole more. Like More relatable. More relatable because on one hand, okay, what do you want him to do in that spot? He's not going to say, yes, I've been using this stuff. MLB, then he's opening himself up to be the scapegoat and the fall guy. 
officially for MLB would just suspend him. Like they would immediately just suspend him and reprimand him, right? But on the other hand, he clearly has enough of a conscience where he's not going to lie. Yeah. Like, right. You know? Right. I agree. He's, I totally agree. It's like the agree. scene in Shrek. Someone, I think someone tweeted this. It's the, the scene in Shrek where Pinocchio knows he can't lie because his nose will get big. Like it was that. And like, you know what, Garrett? This Cole? is what the people come to baseball barbecue for. I liked it. I Shrek like references. It no, no, I do agree with that. I'm not. I'm not saying like like my takeaway from that on on the top of it being like one of the funniest, unintentional funniest seventy seconds I've watched all year. I don't. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I I I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know how to answer that like, to be honest. So you're saying yes? <laughs> um, now that said, that said to your point. I agree. It should not be all about Garrett Cole. As we've seen clearly with the data, it is not all about Garrett Cole. It is about a whole bunch of other of your favorite pitchers. It's not just Trevor Bauer. It's, look, we talked, listen, I, I just got to say it. I love Shane Bieber. I wish Shane Bieber all the success in the world. <laughs> Shane Bieber also won a Cy Young last year in a shortened season, maybe using some really good shit. Like, that's also very possible. Like, I, you know, Shane I'm, Bieber got to send Trevor Bauer a care package, bro, because <laughs> he's taking all of the Mickey Mouse Cy Shane, Young flack that Shane listen, Bieber is not getting because people actually like Shane him. Shane Bieber is a great pitcher. These are all great pitchers. But, like, again, we're talking about adjusting from un, like virtually unhittable, unfair plummeting offense into a, a, a place where it should, should not be to merely having great pitchers again. That's fine. I think I'm fine with that. Meanwhile, Jacob deGrom, no yeah. signs of slowing down. His ERA reaches closer yeah. to zero by the day. Uh, we didn't have this on the rundown journey, but I do want to talk about Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a showdown against Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres. I believe it was Saturday uh, they faced off. Friday, yep. Friday they mm -hmm. faced off. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch Tatis against DeGrom, and it wasn't even a contest. Like, it was billed as the two best at what they do, and it wasn't even remotely close. DeGrom is, I think, current Jacob DeGrom breathing on the planet at Monday, 2.36 p.m., June 14th. That's 5.36 2021. Jordan. Thank you. 4.36 um, Central? Central and 3.36 uh, Mountain Time. Can you do Hawaii? Uh, nope. Uh, he is the best pitcher of all time. Like, it, it, that is like a, a, a statement that is qualified by, he's he is better right now than anyone has ever been. I'm sorry. He is better right now than anyone has ever been. And to your point, like, this is, I think I said this a few starts in, where I basically was like, I don't, I cannot fathom anything being better than this. And since then, he has only gotten better, which has only made me feel even more vindicated by saying that, even knowing that we were not alive for XYZ pitcher that you want to say before we were watching baseball. But this is, it is truly an unbelievable thing to witness. Um, and we, I just feel so thankful. And I'm not even a Mets fan. There's a scene in a movie called Pirate Radio that is a movie I like. And there's a scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman is like sitting on the roof of the uh, of the, the deck of the boat and he's crying alone. And someone comes up to him and they're like, why are you crying? And he's like, I fear that these could be the greatest times of our lives. That like he is so distraught <laughs> yeah. that he is living through the best time of his life and he knows mm -hmm. it. And he's like, it's all downhill from here. And that's mm -hmm. pitching now. That is what it is to watch Jacob yeah. DeGrom. There is something incredible about it. But this is, I mean... Maybe we'll have like, you know, Pedro Martinez the fifth in 80 years and that person will be better. But like, it is as good as I can conceive it. And that's beautiful. Exactly. And it's also like, we've reached the end. Like we, this exactly. is it. We can't get better right. than this. There are very few athletes that I really have felt this way in our lifetimes that we've been able to watch at like the peak of their powers do what he does. And it's not just that he's better than everyone else because he is. It's not that he's more talented than everyone else because his arm clearly is proving that he's more talented than everyone else. But the way that he controls himself, controls the pace of a game, never lets a hitter dictate a single at-bat, no matter who the hitter is. It's just not like anything I've ever seen. And I was not old enough to watch 99 and 2000 Pedro and appreciate it at the same level that I'm watching DeGrom right now. But when you get into a 3-1 count or a 3-0 count, and you can throw your slider at someone's back foot three straight times, and they swing at it every time and strike out, it's just like, it's levels of pitching that I watch it and I, I simply laugh. It's like the drill yeah. tweet, looking at the data and simply laughing. That's yes. me with DeGrom every single, yep. you know, every five days or every week or whatever, however often he's pitching. 
And, you know, the last piece of the puzzle is you're hoping that he can start to feel right in his body. He had the lat injury earlier. He's had a little bit of elbow trouble right now. I'm, I just want him to go into the eighth. Maybe. I want him to pass the baton to Edwin Diaz, the prince that was promised no, for Jared it. Kelnick. The last piece of the Jacob deGrom puzzle is him smiling, is him enjoying himself. He enjoys himself <laughs> on the days that he was in pitch. He has that's a great, true. grand old that's, time that's in the true. dugout. I would like Jacob deGrom He's a to killer. fist He's a killer. once. Did you watch one. Michael Jordan smile in the finals, Jake? <laughs> Ugh. All right, Jordan. Uh, let's talk about Vlad Jr. I hold on. I just want to say one. Do you, do you have a, one more Degrom one, thing? One more. No more Degrom things. You said all the correct things. I just wanted to make one more point about the baseballs, which is that. Oh yeah. yeah now, yeah. if baseball has successfully scared the pitchers into stopping using their superpower shit, whatever the hell Bubba's probably still sending them. This is the best part. It would not, there is no way that Bubba has not still been sending pitchers stuff over the last year. There is zero percent shit. And I hope he still is because he's got a cat. Clearly, it's very, very lucrative. So good for Bubba. Anyway, um, I just want to say that a point that we did not make last week that we should have is that now the focus needs to turn back on the league because you are in charge of the baseballs. You clearly do, do know how baseballs can be manipulated and changed. And it is possible to make a baseball that does not require such absurd levels of stickiness. It's been done in the KBO. We talked to Dan Straley about this, who's been over the KBO the last couple of years. KBO made a baseball that is tackier and that no one cheats because it is actually, you can actually throw the baseball and not worry about it slipping out of your hand. It is doable. It is possible. And now it is on baseball to be producing a consistent actual product that is not changing year to year. Um, so I just wanted to say that. All wow. Right. Spoken like a true Mets first baseman. <laughs> regardless of the of the Pete theories of why or when they're doing it, the fact is they should be able to get it more consistent. Uh, all right. Jake Mintz from the pitchers to the best hitter on planet Earth, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Holy fucking shit. Let's talk about Vlad Jr., who now, as we sit here, 63 games into the season, is hitting 344, 450, 688. He is leading the league in home runs with 21. And when I saw that slash line in his 1137 OPS uh, through 63 games, I was like, wow, is that actually somehow better than what he did in the 60 games in AA and 18? And in fact, it is. His OPS is higher than when he hit actual 400 in 60 games in AA. I remember during that season when he was, you know, getting three hits every night and was hitting balls in places that no one's ever seen in these AA parks. It was like, this is amazing. Like, this is, I mean, we've never seen a minor league performance like this. <laughs> to see him now just doing that at the major league level is a marvel. I feel so fortunate. I can't believe he's only 22 and we just get to have this for the next 20 years. He is, he is, I, I mean, I guess this is like, this is what I imagined possible when he was 28. I think that's the best way to put it. This is what I imagined the peak season looking like when he got there. And instead he's just there and oh my God. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the four horsemen, if you will, of Acuna, Soto, Tatis, and Guerrero. And how Guerrero... The, force, the four horsemen who will stop the baseball apocalypse. They will. They <laughs> actually will. They will. Yes. How the four of them, like, the other three were immediately good. Right? Like, instantly good. And that created a set of unfair expectations for Vladdy, where, like, it literally took him a year's worth of games. It took him, I think, 180 games or so to snap into what he is now. And... People were low, like, you know, during last season. It was like, oh, I'm worried. Is he going to hit? Like, the body's not great, whatever. And then he's only 22, and he's already doing this. He is incredible. It is it is unfathomable how good he is. The amount of black ink, leaderboard ink he has on his baseball reference page right now, leading the league in all three slash lines. Like, triple crown? Triple sure. triple Why crown? Why not? not? I don't understand. <laughs> Let's get traditional <laughs> baseball statistics he here. Yeah, seriously, let alone his, you know, 210 OPS plus and leading the league in war. Like, the dude could easily win the trip. Like, it's not even, it's not even a question. And by the way, um, like the Blue Jays offense, which has been ridiculous lately, again, doesn't even have George Springer yet. You know, the RBIs are probably only going to pile up even more uh, later in the season. Um, and I, yeah, there's, there's just no reason to think he can't, you know, he's walking the same amount as he's striking out. He's, it's it's it is absurd. It is an absurd performance. And it's also in a way that like he does have the same kind of 
hitting Savant like Soto, but it's a slight, like Vlad is in attack mode in such an, such a insane way. Whereas Soto, it's more of he's dictating that bat and getting the exact pitch. Like Vlad's going up there to kill you and it is working and it is amazing. Not that he doesn't also have the play discipline because it's bearing out in the numbers, but it, it feels like it's a little bit of a different vibe than Soto. Soto's like making pitchers beat themselves with like walks or if they're nibbling too much because they're afraid of getting it in the power zone for him. And Vlad is just getting up there and beating the pitchers. Like at the first opportunity, <laughs> he takes it and he beats them. But it is that that hitting savant level. It's like when you brought up his minor league numbers, I'm like, that's just because that's who, what that's what he is, no matter what the competition yeah. is. And now that he's had yeah. some time to adjust to it, like the profile of him as a hitter is like, he's not going to strike out a lot. He's going to get a lot of walks. And the only thing that could beat him is like bad Babbitt block. So it's insane. Okay. So here's let's talk about a Vladdy stat. Let's talk about OPS plus. So OPS plus, for those of you who maybe are more traditional stat minded folk. Um, OPS plus is averaged out hundred is league average. Uh, anything above like one fifty is incredible and anything above 200 is ludicrous since 1992, 10 hitters or 10 seasons rather have occurred with an OPS plus over 200 of those 10, six are bonds. Okay. Of those 10, sure. six we'll are bonds. We'll just accept that and listen Nuts. to the rest of the stat. Six are bonds, all right? <laughs> the others are Thomas McGuire, Thomas McGuire, Bagwell, Sosa, Juan Soto last year in 47 games. But that doesn't really right. count. And the other, the other closest one we had was Harper, who I believe was at like 199 or 198. 98. 198. And then there's Trout, who just averages like 187. Yeah, he never gets to 200. <laughs> Vladdy is at 210 right now. So like, what I want to emphasize there is the context of, he is not just good, he has not just been good for a young player. He has not just been good for a breakout. He has been historically excellent this far into a season. Can he do it over a full season? Eh, whatever. Who, who knows? We'll see. But the point is, <laughs> I, don't the, I don't see why not. Yeah. Like, it's not as if yeah. the league, the league's adjusted to him. It's not like guys going they're, to face. trying. Yeah, it's not like, this is the people always say, oh, the league adjusts to you. Well, like, show me. Because it doesn't look like anyone's making an adjustment to Vladdy right now. Okay, Jordan, from Vlad Jr. Uh, is relevant to our next conversation because he is currently leading all of Major League Baseball in votes for the upcoming All-Star Game, the Midsummer Classic. We got our first batch of polling data, courtesy of Steve Kornacki, just letting us know where the votes are rolling in from. You could be the Steve Kornacki of baseball media. What was it that he was just wearing khakis? That was what everybody was happy about? Short sleeves and a tie. But we got our first big batch, uh, and there's a lot to sift through here in terms of the voting uh, results. The The new voting MLB All-Star system is like a little fachacht, like it's a little confusing. I think it's like two rounds, it's like a primary by position, and then like three finalists move on, and then you vote for amongst the three finalists. So Jordan, you have all of the, the numbers in front of you. What is significant? What jumps out to you when you look at these voting results? So again, we don't have to go position by position. As you mentioned, Vlad Jr. does check in with the most overall votes. It looks like Acuna uh, comes in at second. Both of those guys have received over 800,000 votes. Uh, Tatis down at 700,000. Um, Trout also at 700,000, although it seems very unlikely that Trout will actually be in attendance since it doesn't sound like he will be back on the field before the All-Star game. Um, but I mean... Okay, when you look at the, the the positional leaders, I'm not sure any of them jump out that uh, strongly in terms of who's leading, other than, I guess, maybe Albies, although the Braves always do extremely well uh, in that category, and there's not really that other, any huge options. Um, but, and then, and then third base, I guess, is also a, a tough one. To have Devers versus Moncada, I think, is going to probably come down pretty close. Devers is, is very far ahead right now. Um, and then the, the other one, which most relevantly to, to a Yankees-related conversation we want to get into in a second, is American League second base, where Marcus Semyon, who, of course, has not been playing second base until this year, is now uh, leading uh, for, for a second baseman ahead of Altuve and comfortably ahead of DJ LeMahieu, who has not been having a good season. Uh, but are there any that, that that stand out to you? Yeah, I think it's interesting that Vlad and Acuna are like notably ahead of Tatis. Because I think maybe in the bubble that we live in, 
Tatis is the guy. Like, if you had to have me guess, I would have guessed that Tatis would have been the number one vote getter, and then Vladdy, and then Acuna. I think the reason Acuna is that high is the Braves. I just have so many fans. Um, Ted Turner really did that, you know? Yeah, he really did that. Uh, Shouts out to to cable TV. Um, But I think the reason Tatis is lower is because you have to think about who's voting, right? Teams that are good their fan bases vote more because those fans are more engaged and they want to think, they think more about baseball, right? And who does that include? The Dodgers. You know how many fans the Dodgers have? Enough Mm. for Gavin Lux to be second. I thought thought you were about to debut a Padres are actually bad take and their fans don't like the team. I was like, where are you going with this? But Gavin Lux, Jordan, (laughs) right? He clocks in at number two in his position, I believe. Number three. He's number three. Yeah, number three in the second baseman. But more, more, yeah. I was just gonna say more relevantly, it's like the Cubs. Right. He's going up against Democracy Bias failed us. Right? What the hell are we and doing? Guys, here? But the point yeah, is, like, so many of the people gonna... voting, like, if you're a Dodgers <laughs> fan, like you're not voting for Tatis at all, probably. Right? Like, there's bias. Like, most fans are biased and they bring that to the table. Um there's Tatis also is... only one team in Canada. You know, you got all of Canada behind you. Yeah. Much there's like actually zero teams in Canada right now, Bobby. Yeah, but <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's, that's true. the reason Eventually. that they want to vote for Vladito more. They miss yeah. him. Yeah. Like, we sure. want to see him. I, I would too. But oh I, I am most interested in like where the overwhelming landslides are. Like, Vladdy has 51% of the vote for AL first baseman. That's crazy. That's a majority. Ma- the majority of people are voting for Vlad Jr. on their all-star ballot. That's ludicrous. The other big landslides um, that are usually with guys that are like either megastars or just very recognizable names. Like Tatis has 40%. Um, Salvador Perez has 43%, which is awesome. And then like Posey has 30% because everyone knows who Buster Posey is. So I'm always interested by, you know, the players who run away with it. I'm also interested in the players or, or the teams that just have zero representation. Like the teams that just don't show up on here at all, who come July, MLB's just going to have to shoehorn like, you know, Eduardo Escobar into the All-Star game. Or like Kendall Graveman, right? Oh, and yeah. so he's I, coming. <laughs> Jordan, who are the teams that really don't have anyone near the top? Yeah, I mean it's 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 Detroit. I mean Detroit really doesn't have anyone near the top. I'm not sure they have anyone. It looks like okay, so Miggy is in eighth among designated hitters uh, in voting. Wow! Um, wow! I, yeah, I mean, but okay, he's behind Cruz, Giancarlo, Gurriel, your me Mercedes. <laughs> Alvarez, JD, and Otani, so it's not shocking. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I, the Tigers are obviously way down there. The D-backs, like Cattell Marte, will probably still end up uh, getting voted. He's in ninth among National League outfielders. He probably has a decent case. There, uh, the the most go. surprising thing, very few Brewers, which is not surprising, I guess, because the Brewers are completely built around their pitching staff, and you can't vote for pitchers in the All-Star game. But like, the highest one is Yelich, and he's behind eleventh. Jock eleventh in outfielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely one. Uh, come on, where's where's? <laughs> let's get Vogie. What are we doing, people? We can't get Vogie over, you know, Paul Goldschmidt. I know Paul Goldschmidt's better than Daniel Vogelback, but in terms of who we want to see in the All Star game, can't we maybe work something out here? I mean, let's, other let's, let's other hilarious storylines to keep an eye on as we get these All Star voting. Uh, results back week to week. Number one, what if we only have one Yankee? Think about it, everyone. Just have that dream in your head. You know what it's like every year, Midsummer Classic. They're doing the intros. They're going down the line. Ooh, look, it's the Oriole. Ooh, look, it's the Royal. Ooh, look, it's 12 Yankees. Takes 20 minutes for all of them to tip their caps. We could have. It's the closest we've been in our lifetimes, everybody. The Yankees might have one freaking all-star. Aaron Judge is, I think, probably going to get there because he's big and famous and still very good. I don't... I guess Garrett Cole. Damn it. Damn it. And, Ch- and Chapman. Damn it. And Chapman. <laughs> Damn it. Never mind. Damn it. Damn that was know, beautiful was for getting, a moment there where you really thought it was going to happen, though. I can was you guys, excited, too. Can I ask you guys but. a question about Tatis? Have you noticed that there's like a like a smidge of like a little bit of online backlash to how much MLB posts about him. It's almost like the Trey Young thing with House of Highlights where there'd be like 17 posts about Tatis on the game where he went like one for five and everybody's like, why aren't you talking about Betts? Why aren't you talking about Schwarber? Why aren't you talking like all of these fan bases? I just, 
I just want to point it out. Yeah, I, want, I, I want to get ahead of it no, as the true. as the the, the three like, co presidents of the Fernando Tatis is the best player, the best thing that's ever happened to baseball fan club. The consensus cannot be pivoting to MLB is marketing their players too much. I know that that is an unacceptable. <laughs> no, but it is though. There's like no way to please these fans. I'm sorry. It, that guess what? If he goes over for it and like has like gets on a fielder's choice and like has a cool slide back into first, people care way more about that than you know, Tommy Pham going three for four with two singles. Like, that's it. That's just how the world works. And I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's, that is what it is. Jordan, the other interesting storyline I think that you and I talked about earlier, Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier, for those of you who don't live in Pittsburgh, is on the Pirates. He is their second baseman. Not Todd Frazier. Not, not Todd from Frazier. Tom Scherber, New Jersey. Nope. Didn't Adam, play in the Little League World Series. Adam Frazier. He's fine. He's the second baseman. He's having a good year. Okay? He's just like a- He has a, the most hits in baseball. Tell that to your your grandpa's does probably thinks Adam Frazier's pretty freaking good, all right? I mean, listen, the guy's He more... has so many hits. That's the point of hitting good hits. He I mean, he is hitting whatever, 330. This is a guy who has, you know, a career 270 hitter. This is besides Richard Rodriguez, who is, I think, at or near the top of our who's getting traded power rankings, seems like the most obvious trade ship in the world, I know a lot of people uh, when it was when we learned that Nick Madrigal is going to be out for a while, were like, "White Sox, what the hell are you waiting for? Trade for Adam Frazier. I think that's a great fit." But the reason we're bringing it up in this context is the Pirates need an All Star. Every team needs an All Star. Adam Frazier is clearly All Star worthy. But if they trade him like right before the All Star game, which again, I don't know why. There's no reason for them to wait for the deadline, in my opinion. Like. <laughs> they're gonna have to scramble and be like, uh, Kai Tom, you're going to Colorado. Come on down. <laughs> like, I would love I would love that, but uh I, I'm I'm very much prepared for that. Brian Reynolds has been very good, so he's probably the answer. They're not gonna trade him, but Adam Frazier, we'll see. And then does Adam Frazier still get to go? That's the real question. Right. No, that happened that one year with Jeff Samarja, where Samarja got traded like the day before the All-Star game. And from I think it was from the Cubs to the White Sox. And he just went to the AL dugout and like right. wore uh, like a neutral uniform right. or something. Like he was just like there and like was ineligible to play. Cubs to, uh, Cubs I to Oakland, right? It was the NL NL Cubs to Oakland. Right? On, Cubs on Oakland. July 5th. Yeah, right before. Yeah, I do remember that. That's uh, that's a weird one. But just keep an eye on all this stuff. I mean, it, it is just like, it's interesting to see. You know, there are all these reasons, there are all these noise, so much noise in the all-star voting, but like we get hundreds of thousands of fans being like, I want to see these players play, right? And I think that is data worth listening to. If you're MLB, like maybe promote, you know, Vlad Jr. way too much, <laughs> like, the, which they do. I'm not. Hey, I'm not last, that, last takeaway here, Adolis Garcia. Clocking in at number four here among American League Love that. If he that would be he's he's behind Buxton right now, who I think is coming back from injury soon. Um, it's going to be hard for him to. But actually, no, he's going to be in great shape, especially if Trout. I can't remember how they do the starters if a starter gets voted in and then doesn't go. I don't know if they go to the next highest vote or if, if they just get to choose. But would love to see Adolis Garcia start in the All Star game. That is incredible. He is one. All right, uh, Jake Mintz, let us take a quick break. And we yeah. will be back with the return of one of our favorite segments. Sorry for your mentions. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, and we are back on Baseball Barbecue. Jordan, the City Connect uniforms have created a lot of buzz. If there's one thing that all baseball fans can agree on, it's uniforms, right? Everyone, there's a wide consensus about which ones are good. Everyone agrees and which ones are bad. Everyone agrees. Just kidding. No one, they, no one knows. They come out and everyone just says, yes, this is perfectly reasonable. And it's they so move on funny. with their day. It's so funny when they come out and some people are like, these are, these are sick. And other people are like, these are terrible. Obviously, it's like, it's like eating food. It's like this is either most food is either obviously good or obviously bad. No, that's not what I mean. Sorry. Most food is like, never mind. I lost my train of thought. All right, let's talk about sorry for your mentions. Sorry, it's very hot in this studio. I think I might be having a heat stroke. Hot Bobby, how are you feeling over there? I'm good. I got some water. Gotta stay hydrated. As many of you know, that is my my answer. Many Ringer baseball listeners will know that anytime Michael Bauman asked me on the Ringer MLB show about an injury, I just say, dude, probably wasn't hydrated enough. <laughs> probably really right. All right. Let's talk about the City Connect jerseys, Jordan. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they suck. They are not very good. On June 13th this past week, they released their City Connect uniforms. And the uniforms are pretty good. Do you like the uniforms, Jordan? I think they're, I think they're solid. Yeah. Solid. They're, they're a little boring. Uh, they, are, they say serpientes across the chest. They are basically like desert dirt brown. Like imagine the dirt that like Walter White was uh, digging holes in to bury his money. Yeah, more Walter White talk than I bargained for on this episode. But I yeah, went, went on the ringer lot, I guess. You, you never know. When in Rome. Uh, the Diamondbacks released their uniforms and they're fine. They're pretty good. But what's notable is that the Diamondbacks have been really skidding recently. And so releasing a new uniform when the team has lost, let me look, 80 of their last 81 games is a tough look. So, Jordan, we're going to do sorry for your mentions for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are you ready? Yes. And just to remind people, if you're listening for the first time or haven't heard this segment before, this is where we go into the replies of normally a team account. Uh, just trying to, someone's managing the social account, going about their day, putting out the information. Hey, we have new uniforms. But those uh, in the mentions are not having it. And so we would like to say sorry to whoever's running at D-backs for these mentions. The original tweet is, it says, our city, our state, our team, Serpien, hashtag Serpientes. The tweet includes a video of Eduardo Escobar wiping his hand across his chest, hyping up the Arizona fan base. Uh, someone responds, this is probably the only good thing to come out of this season. Hey, but at least complimenting the, the jerseys. That's the thing, right? If you're, if you're the first to design them, you're like, well... At least they like the jersey. Oh. Oh. Another another person responds, literally the least exciting reveal in sports history. What is that? I'm not even sure what that's... What is that based on? Like, le like do you want Eduardo Escobar to be more excited? Do you want the, the copy of the tweet to be like, oh my God, we have new uniforms. Like, I I'm thought the reveal sure was pretty exciting. They have people in the desert. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, we could do worse. Good. We could do worse. They literally got players to go into the actual desert. Like, that's a, where it's... Which it's probably like 120 degrees there right now. Eduardo Eduardo Escobar is, I believe, holding a snake. Yeah, no, I have a lot of questions about that. They're all holding snakes. They all are holding snakes. First of all, commitment to the bit is important in podcasting. Not quite as important in being a baseball player. You know, like they, they didn't need to do all of that with the snakes and everything. Like this doesn't seem totally safe. And none of them seem comfortable. So I, I have questions about why they did that. I like the snakes. I think it's good. Anyway, like, Least exciting reveal in sports history. I disagree with that. I think there is certainly something underwhelming about new uniforms for an awful baseball team. But, you know, anytime you have a pro athlete holding a snake, it cannot be the least exciting reveal in sports history. Fair? Fair. I agree. Right. I agree. Another tweet reads, 
They look cool. Please win a game, though, for the love of all that's holy in this godforsaken desert. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I agree with this person. <laughs> I love that. These are great. But please win. No further comment, Your Honor. Another one. Like, holy shit. Can you guys just win a game instead of worrying about another shitty jersey for us to keep getting our ass kicked in? So I love I love these ones because like again, I mean, general the general premise of this segment, which is that obviously whoever's running these social accounts has nothing to do with the baseball team. What's even funnier to me is the notion that like Tori Lovello in the front office is like spending eight hours a day on the jersey. Like it's the team is like, all right, so we could take some extra BP, do a little infield work, or we could you know, debate the trim on the new Serpientes jerseys, we should probably do that um, instead of working on our baseball. And they're reminding them. Right, like like the Paul Goldschmidt happened, the Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> trade happened like under their nose because they were too busy designing the jerseys. They were like, mm, that font isn't right. And then suddenly Paul Goldschmidt was on the Cardinals. Christian Walker's OPS plus is under 80 because he was the one who picked the exact tint of dirt for the uniform to be. No, he... But Christian Walker's beard, though, we got to talk about that. Jake, as a guy who has flirted with growing out his beard very long during the pandemic, yeah. do you think you could keep it that clean? No. No, I cannot. You my my beard is also in a, in a bad state right now because it's getting too blonde. Anyway, next one. We got two left. Our city, our state, our team. Hashtag Serpiente. Someone responds. Great. So what we're saying is we're planning on losing in two languages now. <laughs> Easy. Strong, strong, strong. It's like honoring our, our area's heritage by losing. Uh, and then the last one, this is a long one, but it's good, I promise. These look incredibly terrible. But then again, this team is incredibly terrible. So it all fits. That's good. Seriously. Y'all have more jersey combinations than wins this year, and you can't argue with me. That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, probably... <laughs> Can I throw in an honorable mention to the guy who said, this is our trade deadline underneath? Oh, man. <laughs> which, which okay, how do we, how are we interpreting that? Like, this is like our, we're excited about No, this? Yeah, like other teams get excited during the trade deadline because they're like, oh, might swing a trade, oh, make I final see. playoff push. And this is about as excited as this fan can get during this say, year. Big missed opportunity here. I think the Arizona State flag is easily like a top three flag. I agree. And and they, I think you you got to lean into that with the jerseys. I they had it on that. the sleeve, though. Yeah, I'm talking. No, but I'm talking like bigger. the color scheme. We go all the oh, way. Okay, in. Like go, that's, go bigger. That's the look. If there's yeah. one thing I know from w not watching the University of Maryland athletics department, it's that you always have to lean into your flag when designing uniforms. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, uh, whoever runs that D back, sorry for your mentions. You don't. You do not deserve this. Uh, Jake Mintz, it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Part of the show where we celebrate what was good, what was bad, and what was Dan Ugla in the last week. Just something that was a little, a little strange that we saw or we experienced. Uh, let's begin with some good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with some good. And I'm going to talk about Carlos Rodon. Jake, yes. Carlos Rodon, who, of course, threw already threw a no-hitter earlier this season. So it's not like... We don't know that he's been having a good season, but it's not just that he's having a very good season and his ERA is now down below two in 66 innings with 97 strikeouts. He is leading all of Bay Area. He's leading the American League in hits per nine and uh, strikeouts per nine. He is throwing so fucking hard. And every time I watch him now, and he had a no-hitter through six against Detroit the other day, I'm just like, this is even the best version of Carlos when he was at NC State you know, right after he got drafted, one of the best college players of the generation was not throwing this hard. He was not throwing this hard. And we knew the slider was there and the slider is <laughs> as, as ridiculous as ever. But to see him regularly touching 99 deep into starts is kind of mind boggling, especially when he, remember, he was non-tendered. <laughs> and he basically decided to sign back with the White Sox for like $3 million, if that, because he liked the fit. He trusted that they would help him get back to where he wanted to be. But with his injury history and the kind of issues he had and how terrible he looked last year, I cannot believe what I'm seeing, but it is so much fun to watch. And I'm so happy to see him succeeding because he has been just like, like that, that he was not part of the, him and your Mercedes, right? Were, are two of the gigantic reasons why the White Sox are clearly, you know, one of the American league favorites and neither of them we were counting on at all coming into the season. Yeah. So shouts out to Carlos. Good for him. 
Jordan Schusterman, my good, the Phillies. Let's go. My Phillies, my Philadelphia Phillies before the year. I bet the farm on them, Jordan. That's my, that's my club. That's my squad. The Philadelphia Phillies. I thought I, I, ha- I attached my wagon to one ball club and it was the Phillies. And they were good for like the first week and then they were bad. But the last week, Jordan, they're on a W4. They've won seven of their last 10. Things are looking up in Philadelphia. You could say that things are are sometimes sunny in Philadelphia. They, yeah, go ahead. And I understand you will be seeing your favorite team here. Is that is that correct? Tomorrow night, myself and Bobby Wagner will be attending the Philadelphia Phillies versus the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers here in Los Angeles, which should be. Oh, no, sorry. Time. Actually, me and Jordan actually made plans tomorrow night, so I'm, to, I'm to gonna fly for like to Maryland. Zo- We're gonna go to Wawa. I was like, oh, you have a Zoom date? You can't make it? No, no. Bobby's but, flying out. We're going to go to the, the Nats game. I'm going to get to see my Phillies in person. Jordan, uh, they are crawling their way back into the race. They are three games behind the Mets. Uh, they are ahead of the Braves. They are not in the wild card hunt because that is a thing that only exists in the NL West. Zach Wheeler is a Cy Young candidate. Um, the offense has been very good besides Alec Bohm and Scott Kingery, who they sent to AAA. I'm starting to feel slightly vindicated about my love for the 2021 Philadelphia Phillies. This will be a very big week for them. Three games at the Dodgers, three games at the Giants, then they're home for the Nats, and then at the Mets for four. So this is a big stretch. It is very possible that this time next week you are feeling extra stupid or you we will be leading the show and be like, oh my God, the Phillies just took five of six on the road against the Giants and Dodgers. Go Phillies, go. We'll see. Go Phillies, go. We'll go see. Phillies, go. All right. For my bad this week, uh, I'm just going to reemphasize how fucking terrible the D-backs have been. <laughs> because, okay. Well, we just talked about, wow, they've been really bad. But we didn't actually mention how bad. You said, oh, they've lost 80 of 81. They've lost 32 of 38. Now, I have not looked at how historically horrific that actually is. But, I mean, this is a team that lost 14 in a row. And then also are now back on an L10, a different separate L10. They've lost 19 consecutive road games, which I believe is tied for the the worst of all time. And they could break that this week in San Francisco. And I'm just looking, it's like, what, what the fuck is going wrong? And it's really just the starting pitching after Zach Allen, who's injured, has been horrific. And the bullpen has been horrific. And Christian Walker has been horrific. And, you know, the lineup is just getting, I mean, they're also having some, some tough, uh, close losses, but this is a, a stunning development. My question to you, Jake Mintz, uh, before we move to your bad, is uh, they are currently the worst team in baseball by three by three games above the Baltimore Orioles. Where will the Arizona Diamondbacks finish? What pick will they have in the 2022 MLB draft? Uh, fourth. Fourth. I believe the, the Pirates, Orioles, and Tigers okay. will be below them. I think... I think they're going to find a way into that top three. Maybe the Rockies. Ro- Rockies. Well, this Rockies. Is, not, this is the, the, the fascinating thing about their spot is because coming into the year, we knew the Dodgers and Padres were going to beat the shit out of them. But now that you add in the fact that the Giants are also probably beating the shit out of them, but you still have the Rockies also trying to be the worst team in baseball. So going to be some, some competing, uh, uh, you know, levels of suckitude down the stretch uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So there you go. They have been bad. Uh, what is your bad? Jordan. My bad this week was my good last week. Arkansas reliever Kevin Copps. Okay. And my bad is not necessarily Kevin Copps himself, but it is the situation that necessitated Kevin Copps. And I guess necessitated Kevin Copps' college baseball career to come to a screeching end. He was pitching for Arkansas. He was a member of the Arkansas Razorbacks, the number one team in the country. Arkansas won game one of their super regional, lost game two of their super regional, and in game three decided to start Kevin Copps, who had not made a start all year. He was their closer, super reliever, and probably will be the Golden Spikes award winner for the best player in college baseball this season, which as a reliever, I don't think has ever been done. I, just I to think, give a sense of how dominant yeah, he is. I think it been. happened once in the early 90s, Darren Dreifer. But yeah, it does but not happen. It just does not happen. It just does not happen. They started him, and guess what? It didn't go well. Starting your closer in an elimination game after he threw 20 pitches the day before, 
sending him back out for the ninth inning in a tie game at 113 pitches is bad. It is not Kevin Copps' fault that he let up a home run in the ninth and NC State won and Arkansas lost. You cannot be the number one team in the country if your plan, if your plan is to start your closer in a win or go home game. That's bad. That is like, that. it feels like Arkansas was playing the whole year to be the number one team in the country and not get enough arms in to games. So that come crunch time, they were like, okay, well, we'll start this guy. Cannot happen. Just bad. And by the way, you mentioned he gives up the homer in the ninth. He was amazing. He was Kevin so Thompson good. Another homer early in the game. He was <laughs> like the fact that he even made it that far was because innings like three through seven, he was completely dominant as he had been the entire season. But it was it was a shame to watch him go out like that. He deserved to be in Omaha. The team, the rest of the team <laughs> did not because he was carrying them all the way there. Ironically, if he does win the Golden Spikes, he actually will be in Omaha because I believe that's where it's awarded. So perhaps it is fitting that Kevin Copps will be the only Arkansas Razorback in Omaha this year if he does, in fact, win the award. But uh, it sucked to watch. It was really sad to, to, to see how it ended for him. But uh, still hats off to him. And obviously, there was a great video of him. He was he stayed long after the game uh, to take pictures and autographs. He's it is an, It is one of the crazier college baseball things we've had in a long time. And I hope that he... Uh, continues to have a good professional career. It's just a dynamic that we don't see at the pro level because in college, this is the Schrodinger's reliever argument. It's really Schrodinger's pitcher. You don't know how any pitcher is going to be. And so when you find a sure thing in college, you ride that pitcher as much as you possibly can. And what you end up doing is because you ride a pitcher too long, you end up limiting the amount of pitchers who get time and limiting opportunities to other arms. And then come crunch time, you just don't have enough arms to get through the playoffs. So disappointing. I feel bad for Kevin Cox. Amen. All right. To the ugla. Then we'll get out of here. My ugla this week is a tweet that I sent over the weekend. I tweeted, Shohei Otani just became the first player since Goggles McFlurry in 1836 to throw a pitch 99 miles an hour and hit a ball 114 miles an hour and balk twice in one inning in the same game. Uh, this is a joke, obviously. Uh, stupid, easy Friday night Twitter joke about Shohei Otani. Everyone's doing it. Nothing interesting. How I came up with Goggles McFlurry, I don't know. That's good. Like, Cause, cause these are funny words. Because you're funny. You're a funny guy. Uh, 1836 was a date that I chose to, 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 to write because, because I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Okay. So, all right. So why am I reading you my own tweet on a podcast? That's the worst thing anyone Cause you're, write. cause you're sick. Well, <laughs> the response that I got to this tweet, the, the amount of, um, <laughs> the amount of debate, the amount of questioning the amount of skepticism that was responded to. Now, I should also preface this conversation with the fact that obviously there are trolls out there. Obviously, I am one of them who put this tweet out there in the first place. But the amount of people were being like, um, there weren't any radar guns in 1836. There wasn't <laughs> any saying, baseball! Um, <laughs> or the one saying, um, are you sure? I'm like, um, the StatCast era began in 2015. <laughs> like, do you think we had exit reloads? I was like, listen, little, like, I just loved the extent that people were picking out. Actually, baseball wasn't invented until this. Oh, actually, we didn't have radar guns. Actually, pitchers weren't throwing this hard. Actually, his name wasn't Goggles. It was something else. <laughs> his name was, was David McFlurry. It was an amazing performance by Twitter.com. And uh, generally, the people that were <laughs> responding. No, you, Jordan, um, you didn't know that back then, every time a pitcher threw a pitch, they would shoot a gun next to it and just kind of guesstimate which one went faster. And that's yeah. how they clocked it back then. <laughs> I, and then anytime also, someone would get a hit, there would be the catcher would pull out a gun and shoot it at the same time. I also just want to say that the people who Googled Goggles McFlurry, bless you. I mean, I honestly, I didn't think it was that good, but thank you for believing me. <laughs> I'm glad I gave it the tense and the tone that made it seem like a real stat. But hey, shouts out goggles. Uh, that's my ugla. Mine's quick. Barry Bonds at the dog show, Jordan Schusterman. That's it. <laughs> Great pick. Barry Great Bonds. Pick. 
uh, I believe Barry Bonds' sister entered a dog into the Westminster Dog Show, the Super Bowl of dog shows, the only dog show that I could tell you about <laughs> at all. Uh, and there was an interview, like a long interview, like two and a half minute interview of Barry Bonds talking about the dog show, talking about dogs. I'm not the biggest dog person. I am a big Barry Bonds person. Um, and it was, it was just wild. It's just wild seeing the greatest baseball player of all time, a hundred pounds lighter than when he was the greatest baseball player of all time, entering dogs into the Westminster dog show. He seems happy. He does. Like when you're that good at what you do and you're like that elite of an athlete and a competitor, finding any outlet for that after your career must be insanely difficult. Like me as a mediocre division three reliever, I'm still chasing that type of competition in my life. I can only imagine how that is when you're, you know, hitting 763 home runs. But, but it's also, but it's also 62. a great, <laughs> but it's also <laughs> a great, uh, example of like, I love this instead of another rich person activity, which is horse racing, right? Any super former athlete can just go buy a horse and get the breeder. I love this specific choice to go into getting your dog into the Westminster Dog Show. I think that is way funnier. It is a way better and more hilarious and iconic visual of him at the dog show. And uh, the only thing that great pick. Bobby, you are our actual resident. Dog right. Well, the only thing that could have made this better if he was the one handling the dog on the floor at the Westminster Dog Show, running with the running dog. With the, yeah. Oh, in full uniform. <laughs> I think there's a dress code at these things. He's like wearing eye black. He has the dangly earring. Yeah. Oh, oh, the, oh the earring, so essential. Yes. So essential. Yes. You think he'd have to have a new uniform made up though? Or would he have to wear his Pirates one? Because I don't think he's really fitting. He'd look really baggy. No, but. Wear the Giants one. He's wearing his Arizona State right uniform. Now, right now, he looks like 92 Bonds. He doesn't, he's not as skinny as Pirates Bonds, but he's obviously <laughs> a lot smaller than, than 2001 Bonds. So. Yeah, but uh, it's it's a good question. I love that. I, I would hope he would do that. But it seems I'm like waiting for my bonds at the dog show era based, of my life. You know, I've, I'm building up to that point. Based on the interview, emergency. What emergency Metscon? What? Oh no, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. I have a tweet from Anthony DeComo, and the tweet reads: This was sent 56 minutes ago. Look who's back at City Field taking in a Mets game this evening. And it is Fred Wilpon on oh. the field. A former Mets owner, Fred Wilpon on the field talking to Louis Ross. And I believe that's Jonathan VR. Bobby. Where are we at? Where are we at? Wee, Finish wee, it off. Wee, 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 wee. Mets, where are we at? This, this, may, this might not uh, have any impact on the Mets uh, season or business dealings or player acquisition, but it is certainly bad vibes. Bobby Wagner, how we feeling? Jonathan VR Guaranteed. 0 for 5, golden sombrero tonight. Guaranteed. <laughs> bet it. If you can bet it anywhere where you bet on this shit, I uh, don't know how this works, but bet it. Are you rooting for the Mets to win or lose tonight? I'm rooting for the Mets to win, Jake. What are you talking w about? Will Pond in attendance. Um, I don't want, I rarely don't want the Wilpon, I don't want his presence to become like some weird good luck charm though. If they win every time he comes, I don't want him to have to come all the time. Why is he on the field? No, 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 no. You don't just go back to a house that you sold. That's weirdo behavior. That's weirdo behavior, Jake. If you bought a house and sold a house and then went back two years later and there was like kids running around in the front yard and you were like, hey, can I come talk to your kids? The parents should say No. Steve Cohen, if you're listening, don't let this man on the field. Put <laughs> ransom posters up around City Field, whatever you have to do. Oh, uh, he's gonna like Bobby Valentine his way into into Mets games. Bobby sitting the Bobby, bleachers doesn't in the he, outfield. Doesn't he still own like 0.25% of the team? I don't I know. Probably. Like probably. So I guess that gets Either him way, on the field then, right? That gets him on the field. Honestly, if you own any percentage of the team, that gets you on the field. Honestly, Bobby, I think you gotta take the L tonight. I think so too. Like I I think they have to lose because you you can't have him thinking like, oh, his hair's gotten really really gray since the last time I saw him. I guess I haven't been. I've been seeing Jeff a lot more frequently as the COO of the Mets for like the better part of my life. But his hair is looking Fred Wilpon looking really gray, looking like his Biden era. Maybe he's just going to become president soon. All right, that's <laughs> a that's enough. It's enough from that's here. The that's pod. the pod. We did it. 
We did it. Uh, Jake Mintz, thank you for joining me uh, as always. Uh, thank you, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, do you feel now that you're like in a studio, like you're you're producing the shit out of this? Bobby? Yeah, he had to do like tech stuff. Yeah, I had to turn the computer on. It was wild, bro. You just press the power button and then it's just, it was a lot. That was production at its finest. Jordan, it does feel good to like, you know, walk to a place where you work. Remember that? No, I don't. But it sounds good. I do sort of, like I did that at some point, but I don't remember what it was like. Um, so maybe maybe one day I will get that feeling again. Uh, uh, okay, I think that's it. I think we did the podcast. Uh, we'll be back we did it. next week to, uh, to, to talk about probably more sticky stuff. Does someone get suspended before next week's podcast? No. I think I think someone will be ejected before next week's podcast. I don't know about this, but that's my prediction. Someone will be ejected from a game before next week. That is my prediction. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Major League Baseball for giving us stuff to talk about on the sticky stuff. Thanks to Fred Wilpon for just being a great owner. Thanks to Bobby Wagner. In the Wagner. pocket of MLB and Fred Wilpon, right in front of my face in the same room as me, Jake. Come on. Thanks to Fred Wilpon for helping to produce the podcast. Thanks to Bobby <laughs> Wagner and Mike Wargon for producing the podcast and owning the Mets. I'm Jake. 